0: Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. I'm Jasmine Ray, and in today's episode, we'll be talking about how nurse practitioners are gaining traction in the effort to expand full practice authority. Joining me is April Capu, President of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners. She has 30 years of experience in healthcare and 18 years as an acute care nurse practitioner. April, who has committed her career to increasing access to nurse practitioner care across all settings, is Associate Dean for Clinical and Community Partnerships at Vanderbilt University School of Nursing, as oversight for several nurse-led community practices. She is a professor of nursing and teaches in Vanderbilt's Doctor of Nursing Practice program. April, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me on today.
0: So, nurse practitioners are in high demand because 99 million Americans right now are lacking access to primary care, which causes wait times to be longer than ever. A recent AANP survey found nearly 50% of patients waited longer than one month, and 25% waited more than two months for a healthcare appointment in the previous 12 months. The problem is most severe in rural areas where physician shortages are growing and hospitals are closing. More than 130 in the past decade, with 20 closing in 2020 alone, according to AANP. Nurse practitioners are stepping into that void to provide access to quality health care, and 27 states are assisting that by granting full practice authority, which gives patients full access to NPs without requiring a practice agreement with the physician. April and AANP have been driving the effort for the remaining states to adopt full practice authority. So April, to start us off, how are nurse practitioners changing American healthcare?
1: Well, nurse practitioners are absolutely stepping up to meet some of the critical challenges we're facing in healthcare today. And as you just mentioned, there are over 355,000 nurse practitioners across the U.S. That number is expected to grow by 46% by 2031. Um, and as you know, uh, for the second year in a row, uh, the U.S. News and World Report have named nurse practitioners as the number one job in healthcare. And there's another ranking that they have, uh, the U.S. News and World Report. It's it's jobs who help people. And nurse practitioners, again, were ranked number one. And that's exactly what we're doing in all settings. Uh, we are providing care. Uh, acute care, ambulatory, specialty settings, and innovative care delivery. You see, nurse practitioners driving mobile clinics, setting up clinics in uh, community centers. They're seeing patients in skilled nursing facilities and schools, uh, in the home, and certainly via telehealth. So, innovative ways for healthcare delivery as well, because we want to meet the patients where they are and meet their needs where they are. And as you mentioned, A hundred or nearly a hundred million Americans lack access to primary care. That's stunning. Um, But the good news is, about ninety percent of nurse practitioners are board-certified, educated, trained to provide primary care.
0: Despite national standards within nursing, why is there inconsistency in how state laws and legislative bodies? license nurse practitioners to practice?
1: Well, you said it. So we have national standards for accredited education, clinical training. We're nationally board certified to care for the patient population we serve. And yet the states have the laws, the regulations around licensure And about 27 states now, uh, Utah being the latest, uh, 27 states and two territories and Washington, D.C. as well, all have full practice authority. And that is where nurse practitioners in those states are able to practice to the full extent of their education and training. In these states, patients have full and direct access to NP care, Um, but in 23 states, uh, there are still outdated laws, uh, still barriers to care, uh, which if updated would immediately increase access to care for those states.
0: So what are some of the proven benefits of full practice authority in these states that have adopted it?
1: Well, you know, we follow states once they move to full practice authority. We follow the data. We follow the impact. And first want to say that every state that has moved to full practice authority has not gone back. We have seen an increase in the workforce, we've seen an improvement in healthcare outcomes, and we have seen an increase in access to care. NPs are moving to serve and provide care for patients across the state, urban areas, rural areas, historically underserved areas. Arizona is a great example. They moved to full practice authority in the early 2000s. Five years after moving to FPA, their workforce doubled they saw a 70% increase in nurse practitioners working in historically provider shortage areas. So we are absolutely uh, helping to meet that need. And full practice authority is one very effective way to do that.
0: So despite all the benefits, why is it that many states reject full practice authority?
1: Well, it's the lawmakers. It's the legislators that make the laws. And it's it's prioritizing full practice authority and health care access for its citizens. And when lawmakers do that, that's when they move towards FPA. So it's getting the message to the lawmakers about our outcomes of care. Give them the evidence. We have over five decades of evidence that show that we have high patient satisfaction rates, that our outcomes of care are great, um, that they are comparable to physicians and sometimes even better in some cases, that we imp access to care and how we have done this in states that have moved to FBA. So it's getting the data, the evidence to those educated, to those lawmakers so that they can update and modernize their laws. It's a no cost, no delay, immediate way to increase access to care for people that live across their state.
0: The American Medical Association and other physician groups have lots to say about full practice authority. They note the differing levels of education, residency requirement, and clinical training. They say nurse practitioners increase healthcare costs by overusing diagnostic imaging and other services. And they fear that allowing nurse practitioners to prescribe antibiotics and opioids threaten the safety of patients. Can you address these?
1: Nurse practitioners have rigorous standards for education and training. They're nationally board certified in what they do. They're Their education, their training is built on competency, so they have proven that they are competent to provide this care. We have decades of outcomes showing that we provide high-quality care. So this is important that we continue to go back to the data and the evidence and the fact that People are choosing to see nurse practitioners, and that's evidenced by over a billion visits to nurse practitioners each year. And here's the interesting thing. Many physicians support nurse practitioners practicing to the full extent of their education and training. We work very closely with physicians and others on the healthcare team. And the National Academy of Medicine supports nurse practitioners working to the full extent of their education and training. So, yes, that is an opinion, but the evidence is really where we should follow
0: how likely do you think it is that all american nurse practitioners will eventually be able to practice without physician oversight
1: well we have momentum 27 states dc two territories have moved to full practice authority a lot of that momentum was gained throughout the pandemic where states 20 states in fact that had outdated laws really waived some of these outdated barriers so that they could increase access to care. And we showed during that time, we continue to provide very high quality care, that it's not dependent on having contracts or retrospective chart review. It's really dependent on patient care outcomes and the increase in access that should really be the yardstick of clinical effectiveness, our outcomes that we've demonstrated time and time again, and that we increase access to care.
0: April, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your expertise on full practice authority. It's been great speaking with you.
1: Well, it's been great to speak with you, too. And thank you so much for all you do for healthcare.
0: care. Thank you for listening to the Health
1: Leaders Podcast. We'll be here each Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.